What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, we've got an exciting show tonight. We're going to be all over the world. We're going to start in Washington, then to Buenos Aires, Budapest, Boston, China, Los Angeles, California, the state, and then Baffin Island, Canada, assuming we have enough time. Uh, I want to start with Donald Trump. I'm not going to spend that much time with them tonight, but I'm going to start with Donald Trump. And a study was recently made uh, as to the number of faults and misleading statements he made during his first two years in office. Turns out to be 8,158, okay, uh, faults or misleading statements. That would give him, uh, and they broke it down into years. For the first year, he lied or misled people 5.9 times per day. In the second year, 16.5 times a day. He improved with time when it came to lying or misleading the public. Uh, bad guy. This is bad. You shouldn't do that. You, you don't lie to the people. You don't lie, period. You don't lie to the people who put you in office and depend on you to govern them and do the best things. Now, let me give you some breaking news. They just came out on the Internet tonight and on television tonight, and not all the stations are carrying it yet. This is new. And it goes with Trump misleading. You know, you can sin by, I learned this in philosophy in college, you can sin by omission or commission. Commission is when you go out and actually do something wrong. Omission is when you don't do something you should have done. Well, we have Donald Trump at the meeting, you recall, a couple of months ago, the G20 meeting in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And, again, he met without a translator with Trump. Trump had a translator. We know about that meeting. What we didn't know and what came out today through one of the major news news outlets was that at the G20 meeting, Trump had a private dinner sit-down with Putin. The two of them sat down together. Putin had his translator with him. Trump did not have a translator, did not have an aide, but he did have his wife, Melania. Now, he never told the public about this. He never told any of his uh, key intelligence aides and foreign agents in the White House. He kept this to himself. Now, why? His job is to have someone there so he gets the story straight because this guy screws up. What are these two men hiding? What's Trump hiding? I'm going to say it that way. What is Donald Trump hiding? He has a secret meeting with Putin. Why Why don't we know here? He's our president. We put him in office. We should know. And this is going to be in the news more tomorrow, this private dinner meeting. It only lasted 20 minutes, but they are referring to it and describing it as a dinner meeting. And again, the major criticism is he doesn't have a translator. Now, suppose whatever happened at that meeting becomes very important. I'm sure it was important. Uh, we would have to depend on the Russian translator's notes and not on Donald Trump's notes because he never had anyone take them. 
Okay, uh, where are we going now? We're going to go to Venezuela. Let me tell you about Venezuela. This is coming up big time in the news now. I have been discussing, I have been writing, I've been talking about Venezuela for about five years. Actually, I've been talking about Nicolas Maduro, the president of uh, Venezuela, for five years. Because the news, when I started reading things about him that were very interesting, Venezuela's had a hard time. Uh, They're really in bad trouble. I'm not laughing when I say this. Uh, Five years ago, they started running out of food. Okay, you have to understand the people don't have jobs, so they don't have money. The farmers no longer grow crops because when they bring them to the store to sell, no one has the money to buy them at the store. So now they didn't have money for food. They didn't have food. They didn't have jobs. So when they ran out of regular food, they ate their pets, their dogs and their cats. This is true. I've talked about this many times before, and I've written about it again. Uh, then when they ran out of their pets, they went to the zoos. They attacked the zoos and took the animals, the horses and everybody, everything else, cut them up and ate that meat. When they ran out of the zoo meat, uh, they started eating uh, foliage that was growing. Whatever was growing, the women picked it up and tried to boil it and make it into something people could eat. Then they got to the grass and they started eating grass. And when the grass was gone and the earth was bare, they started digging into the dirt, looking for the roots of anything and boiling them to see if they could get something nourishing from them. Now, you have to understand there are babies involved in all this stuff, too. Uh, And what they did was they trained their babies and they trained themselves to eat every other day. Babies only ate every other day. And they didn't. if the mother wasn't feeding them through the breast, then they had to have milk. There was no milk available. The animals are gone, whether it was a goat or a cow or what. They're dead. They've been eaten. Uh, they made some kind of a mush and squeezed it into a bottle, and it worked. Uh, these people are poor. They're very poor. And Nicholas Maduro is a lousy president, first-class lousy president, But he stays in power. He stays in power because he controls the military and the Supreme Court. The only people that are living well and eating well are the people close to Maduro, Maduro himself, the military, and the members of the Supreme Court. They have a Congress. The Congress is a non-entity. They vote legislation, and the Supreme Court throws it out because the Supreme Court controls uh, with Maduro, and so Congress gets nothing done that becomes law, in fact, forever. It just doesn't work out that way. Uh, these people protest. They get upset. Uh, they want more, and they go in the streets. And the interesting thing about when they protest the, Arge- the Venezuelans, there are, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of thousands of people in the streets yelling and screaming, but they don't fight. They, I, I've been saying for six months, for six months I've been saying, revolt. You've got to revolt. You just can't go out and c- complain and bitch and say, I want this and I want that. And these are hundreds of thousands at a time when they're protesting. And that is not an exaggeration. You've got to f- start throwing rocks and stones at the military. You've got to kill somebody. Grab their guns from the military. Start using the guns against the government. You've got to take over the government to save your ass, like the Hungarian Revolution in 1957. God helps those who help themselves. These people don't help themselves. For some reason, they're afraid to take up arms and do it. Now, some will tell you, well, in 2006, 
Uh, Hugo Chavez, the president before Maduro, banned private ownership of guns. So what? They were banned in Hungary by the Soviet Union in 1957. You go out there, you do it with sticks and stones and everything else and rocks and uh, branches and whatever you can get, bricks, and you get the guns after you knock them out or you kill them, and then you go take care of yourself and your people, and you overthrow the existing government. Uh, because this Maduro's powerful. He's got the army. <laughs> as long as he's got the military, ain't nobody throwing him out. Okay, now, we have someone uh, that was in the Congress comes up and becomes interim president. He says, I am interim president because Congress made me interim president. Uh, and you still got Maduro as president. Well, I told you, nothing holds up that Congress does. They passed a law saying you can't have an interim president. Because the Supreme Court, if they haven't already, will throw it out. No question about it. Uh, so the issue became, the only way this 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 upstart, he's a young guy, uh, Juan, 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 no, Gene, Gene Guaido, G-U-A-I-D-O, uh, can survive. He has to have the military on his side. The military is power. And so... We waited to hear, and yesterday the military said, we stand with Nicolas Maduro. Why the hell are they going to go with this guy? They're living good. And so that's the way it is down there, uh, and they're not helping themselves, okay? They're sort of lazy. When Hugo Chavez became president, a lot of people didn't, don't like Chavez and what he did. I admired him. He nationalized the oil fields. Re remember this. Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. Chavez went in and he took all the companies from Europe, the United States. He says, we now own the companies. And he took them over and he worked them. And what he did, he made his people lazy though in doing this. He gave a stipend every month to every family. In other words, from the profits from the oil that they were selling, he gave the people themselves money, so they didn't, some didn't have to work anymore. Some didn't even have didn't have to work hard, and they became lazy, and they failed to take care of themselves. And then you had a new president in 2013, because Chavez died by the name of Nicolas Maduro. Uh, so there we are. Now here we are. We're at a point where we're looking at Venezuela, and China and Russia are looking at Venezuela. Trump said six months ago he was considering invading Venezuela because the people down there, it's a humanitarian crisis. Isn't he wonderful? He, he feels sorry now for the people on the border, after you recall. He created the situation with the people being stuck at the border, and they're living badly. And he says, oh, that's a humanitarian crisis. He caused the goddamn thing, excuse me for swearing. Well, it happened in Venezuela, too. Uh, but he, he says it's a humanitarian crisis, and I'm considering invading Venezuela. I said at the time, he wants the oil. It's none of our business to go to Venezuela. A country must take care of themselves in the first instance. Here's a country that has more people against the army, against Maduro, but they're afraid to fight. They don't want to put their lives on the line to take their country back. And again, God helps those who help themselves. In the meantime, Russia wants to be friendly and is friendly with Maduro, by the way, uh, and because Russia wants the oil reserves. Oil is big-time money, key money in this world. A couple of months ago, Russia, because, you know, we're, we're saying maybe we're going to go to war with them, Putin sent 
to uh, Venezuela two nuclear, two planes capable of carrying nuclear bombs. It was, you know, he's saying, hey, guys, it's my country. It's going to be not yours, too. Trump, they're supposed to be friends, but I think Trump takes advantage. I'm sorry. Putin takes advantage of Trump. No question about it. Uh, this past week, Trump's making noise again. John Bolton's making noise for him. We're going to go to war down there. Uh, and as today, today it came out, or yesterday, uh, Bolton said they're considering, the United States is considering sending 5,000 American troops to the Colombian border so they will be ready to go into Venezuela if they have to. Putin came back and said, keep your ass out of Venezuela or we're going to have trouble. In the meantime... China wants to protect its interest in Venezuela. China has loaned tons of money to Venezuela. Venezuela is like the United States is in debt uh, to China. Venezuela is in debt to China. But China's saying, hey, buddies, we're going to call in the notes. You're our friend. Problem is, China and Russia are working together on the Venezuelan situation. So neither of them get screwed. So what it boils down to, my friends, uh, it's oil. It's not humanitarian. Oil is money. John Bolton, and Putin also said, excuse me, Putin said a couple of days ago that he is sending, and I quote, security contractors, security contractors to represent Russia in Venezuela. All right? And that's when Bolton came back with, we're going to send 5,000 troops to the Colombian border. Now they're saying, you threaten me, I threaten you. That's the game we're playing right now. Uh, Bolton also said, and Trump listens to him, and this guy's crazy. He wants to go to war all the time. The, the last several presidents didn't even want him in the White House working for him because the man wants to go to war. That's all he understands. He, he's a warmonger. Anyhow, he said that if the United States has the, this oil, it will make a big difference, a significant difference to our economy, the American economy, because our American oil companies will thrive. Don't you see why we want to go in? We want to go in for the money. Now, there's a bad situation developing down there. There is no reason we should go into Venezuela. It's not our headache. That the people have to take care of themselves, and we're going to end up in a pissing match with Russia, China will just be in the background. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm glad, though, that Putin and Trump are very good friends. Uh, now, there was a hearing this morning in Washington, a House uh, committee hearing where they brought in the intelligence people. This is the new democratically controlled, one of the new democratically controlled uh, committees. And horrible, Dan Coates, who's the top U.S. intelligence officer, uh, he's the director of our intelligence he said the following, and when I point these two or three things out to you, keep in mind what Donald Trump said. He said, North Korea is not likely to give up making nuclear weapons. He said, ISIS is not defeated. He said, Iran is not seeking a nuclear weapon. They're not making a nuclear weapon. The Jews say, Israel says we are. And they are, and so Trump says they are, because Trump wants to go to war with Iran, too. Uh, he said we're getting out of Syria. 
because ISIS has been defeated and made a big deal out of this two weeks ago. We only have 2,000 troops in, in Syria, by the way. This is one of those things where it's a coalition effort. And as a, when he said, we're getting out, ISIS is defeated, it came out that there's 20,000 to 40,000 ISIS military left in Syria. And North Korea, Kim has made an ass out of Donald Trump. Because Trump comes out of that first summit meeting with him and says, hey, no more nuclear weapons. They've agreed to what we want to do. Uh, it's like what? Chamberlain coming back from Munich, getting off that plane and saying, waving a piece of paper and saying, peace in our lifetime. Donald Trump got took. And he's going to have another summit meeting soon with Kim. And he'll get taken again because Coates said today, they are making more nuclear weapons. They just built a new plant, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so he said also, this summit that's coming up with North Korea is of no value. Trump will be bullshitted, my term bullshitted. Uh, and that's the way it's going to be. And we, we claim they've already destroyed a nuclear facility. It was one they were not using, Coates said. It was a dead one. They took down the build, build, building to look good. Uh, so we also have the problem uh, that North Korea is developing a new long-range missile with capacity to hit the United States. So when Donald sits back in comfort and says, oh, boy, he's our friend, nothing's going to happen, uh, Tim's getting ready. If he has to do it, he's going to do it. The guy's nuts. Now we're getting out of Donald Trump. Enough of Donald Trump for the time being. I want to talk to you about robots. I haven't talked about robots in quite a while. Uh, this is a robot update in effect. And I'm going to talk about robots in the restaurant industry. Uh, waiters, waitresses, chefs. Here we go. We're going to start in Budapest. Budapest has a cafe, a new cafe called the Enjoy Budapest Cafe. Enjoy Budapest Cafe. Uh, they serve food and drink just like everybody, every other restaurant. And uh, here's what happens. They have robots. They don't have waiters and waitresses. They have robots who serve the food and drink. The, they have robots who take your order. The robot also will dance with the children and adults if they wish to dance. And they will also chat. They chat with the customers while they're serving them as a for real human waiter or waitress would do. Uh, that's wild, isn't it? And now we go to Boston. A Boston re uh, restaurant has replaced its chefs. The restaurant's called Spice, S-P-Y-C-E, S-P-Y-C-E, has replaced the chefs with robots. Robots do all the cooking, the preparation and the cooking. The model of the restaurant is, and I quote, cool, culinary, excellent, elevated by technology. Uh, and it's working. <laughs> People aren't complaining. The restaurant is thriving. And these new robots uh, that cook and serve are very big today already in China and Nepal. So my question always is, what are we doing with the waiters and waitresses and the cooks, the chefs, who are without jobs? Eventually, there aren't going to be any jobs available to them because the, the industry will probably go 99% robot in due course. We are not retaining our human employees to do other work out there. 
and we're going to have a ton of people in a year, two years, three years, because this robot stuff is moving fast, uh, who don't have jobs and are saying, what can I do? Because it's the government's responsibility, in my opinion, also to recognize that they must retrain these people and provide through programs the retraining. I rarely watch the Academy Awards, though I enjoy watching movies. And I never watch any of these awards that are comparable to but not as great as an Academy Award. And I'm talking right now about the SAG Awards last Sunday night. It's the Screen Actors Guild Awards. And the only reason I watched it is because they were giving to Alan Alda. Remember the name, MASH? Alan Alda, the Lifetime Achievement Award. I love MASH. I loved it then. I love it now. Two days every week, Comcast runs MASH 24 hours a day. I watch these shows about 10 hours a day, one after the other. I just love these half-hour shows about MASH. And I love Alan Alda. Uh, personality, great actor, and I've enjoyed him in other movies. He played bad guys in, a bad guy in a couple of movies, and I enjoyed him at that, too. Well, he ain't. The Alan Alda, obviously, of MASH. We forget this. You know, people get older and we think they are what they were 20, 30, 40 years ago in these shows. He's 90 years old. Uh, he's still tall and thin. He uh, has lost probably two-thirds to three-quarters of his hair, but he keeps the rest just long and white laying there. Uh, his left arm shakes constantly. Easy to observe it shaking. There's no control factor there. But, and his voice isn't as strong, but it comes through with the same melody and the same tenderness it did when it was louder. And I want to say this about him. Uh, he got a wonderful tribute. Uh, he was Alan Alda, though he didn't look like him uh, anymore. But he still had that beam in his eyes. Think about it, Mesh, the beam in his eyes when he looked at something when he was Hawkeye, remember? And... Uh, he also made jokes. He was cracking little jokes as he went along. It was a pleasure to watch him, and it was a pleasure to see him getting this award at 90 years of age. Now, where am I? Oh, this is a heartbreaker. I don't know about you, but when I was a little boy and I was in the younger grades in grammar school, came Valentine's Day, we'd exchange cards with the girls and all that sort of stuff. And we also used to exchange girls to boy and boys to girls. Sweetheart's candy. Think about it now for a moment. Sweetheart's candy, because they still make them or they were making them up until last year. Sweetheart's candy, There's a, they're little hearts, and they'd have some kind of uh, printing on them, like love you, bear hug, cutie pie, ooh la la, uh, written on them, very tiny, not even as big as a dime. And you used to exchange them with a girl, too, or you just ate them because they tasted good. They were very sweet. Well, the company that's been making them all these years. I'm, I'm 83 years old, and I was doing this when I was 10 years old. So more than 70 years I've been eating this stuff. I, I steal from my grandchildren at this stage of the game. I go over on these holidays to get the sweets. Anyhow, uh, went bankrupt. They're out of business. A new company has bought them. Uh, it's Nico was the original producer of them. They went out of business. A company called Spangler Candy Company bought bought the just the rights to the name and the product. They didn't buy the company that went bankrupt. 
And they just did this in September, and they said they could not get up and running with this for this Valentine season, and they will not be producing Sweetheart Candy. But wait till 2020. They'll be back with Sweetheart Candy, Sweetheart's Candy, and we will all have it again. They're called Conversation Heart Candy. I never heard of that before, but it's thrilling, Sweetheart Candy. And it goes back more than 70 years because I used to do it with the little girls. Okay. What am I at now? Uh, we had, this is this is terrible. The, 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 being politically correct, sometimes we go too far. Political correctness can be carried too far. We are at a state senate, the state senate, in the state of California. This is crazy, but maybe California does crazy things. They are concerned with transgender relations. And they're concerned with how people deal with transgenders, and they do not wish to offend transgenders. So, so they have made a rule that within their committee, they will no longer use the terms he and she, but rather them and they. No more he and she, but them and they, when they're talking about male and female in any fashion about anything, even if transgenders aren't involved. No more he and he and she, now them and they. That's a step too far. I mean, we we carry this to the to a point that's ridiculous, and I think this is ridiculous and does not make sense to me. I want to talk about climate change, and this is what brings me to Baffin Island, uh, Canada. Baffin Island is in the Arctic portion of Canada. This has to do with climate change. Baffin Island has been covered for I don't know how many years. I think they, they thought it was covered 40,000 years, the, the scientists have said, with ice. All the ice has melted, and it has exposed the landscape, which has been hidden for 40 years. This is amazing. Whereas it was covered with ice for 40,000 years, the ice is all gone, and you can see green grass and other type foliage and vegetation growing on the island. There were pictures on the internet. And this is the first time this has happened. It's all gone in one season, the way it turns out. And they blame this on global warming, climate change, which our dear President Trump says does not exist. They also say, the experts, that the Arctic is heated to the highest extent or is more heated this century, that at any time in 115,000 years, I don't know how they do these things, but this is their ballgame, they're experts. What's going to happen? This is the more important thing. The ice is gone from the island. The picture's on it again on the Internet. It looks beautiful. First time, one year, all gone, 40,000 years worth of ice. Let's look at it. The water level's going to rise. No question about it. As the ice melts, it moves down into here or up to here, and it's going to rise, which means, I'm just going to talk about Key West for a moment, all the homes on the water are not going to exist in 50 years. They're going to be totally submerged. They're going to have washed away, okay? And the other, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I believe, uh, or I wrote about it, the warmer the ocean water gets, the more intense the storms, the more intense the hurricanes, the tornadoes, and the rain. And we've seen that without question in recent years. Okay, I want to talk about 
Joe and Mika. Uh, morning, Joe. Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski. I love them. I, some people watch Fox. I watch MSNBC all the time. And their shows, I, I'm, I'm, their shows are good. They're exciting. They get the give and take with people at the table. And it's not everyone saying I agree with you. There's, there's, they combat each other a bit. It's good. I like it. There's a change. Joe Scarborough makes $8 million a year. He was living in Connecticut. It was his place of legal residence. If he moves to Florida, there's no state tax in Florida. He will save $550,000 a year, a considerable amount of money. So he has moved to Florida, to Jupiter. He has bought a home, and he's attached a studio to it. And what he's doing now is he is doing, he has to be in Florida 183, 183 days a year to claim uh, that he is a resident, and therefore doesn't have to pay that 550000 in state taxes he would have to pay in Connecticut. And so he does the show from there. So far, he alone, in a room, and all he's got behind them is a picture of the Capitol, a half a picture of the Capitol. And today, he was back in Washington. I don't like what he's doing. It's different. It's different. That excitement, that give and take, that disagreement, the challenging, it doesn't come off the same when he's in Jupiter and everyone else is in New York City. He's got to be there. Now, it's going to cost him $550,000. It's his money. It's his problem. But if his rate, they have told him, the bosses at NBC, if your ratings go down, you can't do this anymore, you're out on your ass. I don't know which it is uh, because they do have high ratings. I've got a feeling he's going to end up going back to New York because the show, again, is not the same. I sense it already. And that is my little show for this week. I hope you have enjoyed. Please come back next week again. Ask your friends to listen in too if you enjoy it uh, and they're amenable the numbers keep going up I love the show and I love you people for listening have a good night hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.